Hi everyone, Mian Matesh here for the in-house pro bono group. Thanks for joining us for our Justice Week 2020 podcast series. Over the next three episodes, we bring together a truly inspirational charity and young leaders to discuss with them the importance of understanding the justice system, the value of the rule of law, and how justice and the rule of law are fundamental to our lives and freedoms in the context of saving the planet. We hope you enjoy the podcast as much as we enjoy the interviews. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Mia, and we are members of the UK's in-house pro bono group. We are a working group bringing together in-house counsel leading or looking to lead pro bono legal programs at their organizations. For further information on our organization or to join our membership, please drop us an email that at info at info at inhouseprobono.uk. That's info at inhouseprobono.uk. Today, we're celebrating the UK's Justice Week, which aims to improve access to justice and the rule of law, placing them at the centre stage of public and political debate. This year's focus of Justice Week is on one of the most powerful forces in today's markets, the under-25s. Today's theme is saving the planet. Bringing all these things together for our podcast, today we have with us Joseph and Helen. Perhaps you can introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about um, where you're at and what you're doing. Hi, I'm Joseph. Uh, I'm a student um, studying law in my second year at Queen Mary University of London. Hi, I'm Helen Dewhurst and I cover corporate sustainability research at BNF. Uh, as part of my role, I, I focus on what companies are doing to um, pledge their commitment to improving how they operate more with a greater environmental awareness um, and track progress towards meeting these goals. One of the things I was so excited about with Justice Week choosing a Saving the Planet theme and really focusing on young people today um, is that it's not something that I was aware of as I was growing up. It's something that I think we had a conversation once about, you know, not using too much water. Um, and I went home and I told my mom that we we shouldn't wash so many dishes, I think. Um, <laughs> but I, I think one of the things that I'm continually impressed by is that we see more young people being mobilized and working um, towards sustainability and, you know, really being interested in it. Um, and it's something that I'd like to ask both of you about kind of what your experience is in terms of just your awareness of the need for sustainability and kind of how you guys both kind of got introduced to the idea of climate action and what you guys do both, you know, as younger people, but as you've kind of grown up in a culture where we're, we're more aware of it, kind of what, you, what you're doing to kind of make a difference in that area? Well, obviously, it's something that, that's very prevalent in society um, at the moment. And, it, and it's something that um, it's impossible not to be aware of, I think, growing up at this time. Um, it's, it's, it's a huge issue and, and, and a huge threat to the planet. Um, in, in terms of what I do, um, if, if I'm honest, it's, it's the little things. It's um, recycling, make sure I don't use too much water, make sure I don't um, leave the heating on when I, when I, when I don't need to. Um, and just trying to be conscientious, really, um, as to um, how, how we use our natural resources, um, bearing in mind that they're, of course, um, finite and, and, and limited for the future. I think for me, I I grew up in an environment where it it actually wasn't so prevalent. Um, the, um, the there were definitely more debates around whether climate change actually was an effect that we needed to be worried about. So I found it quite difficult to 
care about it as much as you can today. Um, people have the facts at their fingertips and uh, not really um, needing to be persuaded of the fact that you need to take action more. Um, I find myself going to conversations um, trying to work out what it is that we need to do. <clears throat> so from that perspective, um, I, I think the conversations have got easier that that I make and mm-hmm. in, in my job every day um mm-hmm. and it's it's a bit of a relief <laughs> um to to find yourself in in a new stage of of um thinking in this area there's been a lot of progress made um but i i think my main challenge growing up was because it wasn't seen as such an issue the the jobs available to me uh, were few and far between and when i graduated i i struggled to be able um, to find find somewhere that I could work in this area um, and so that's why I feel quite strongly about um, trying to raise awareness uh, a, a, about that to children who are um, coming up through their education and, and, and thinking about what they want to do later on. Excellent. Um, how important, linking it back now with education and the topic of climate change and saving the planet, how important do you think it is for young people to understand their justice system? Um, I think it's it's vitally important that young people understand the avenues available to them in, in terms of the justice system. It, it, of course, plays such a huge part in, in everything that we do um, a, a, as a society. And, and sometimes it's, it's there in the background. Um, but the more young people who understand the justice system, the better, and particularly with, with relation to the climate crisis um, and the fact that we're, we're seeing increasing use of the justice system um, to, to raise uh, the climate issue um, uh, as, a, as a human rights issue. Um, and increasing use of litigation to achieve that end. I, I think it's vital that you know the generation of tomorrow understands how the legal system works. Yeah, just to add to that point, um, <clears throat> I also think that it's important for the younger generation to feel empowered because if they learn about the, the issues that face them um, and they don't feel that they have any leaves of change available to them then it's it's actually very dispiriting and there's, there's a lot of climate related anxiety around um around young children now um and i think just the fact that they know what their rights are in this area um and being able to state them clearly and and actually act out against that um is is really important for um mental well-being as well as actually uh positive action being taken. Yeah, no, I I think that's so important to make people feel that they have um, some sort of control or some, you know, some sort of action point that they can take to make a difference. Um, Something that we both kind of, you both kind of touched on is um, you know, the idea of climate justice as a human right. Um, Is that something that, how do you guys feel about climate justice as a human right? I think it certainly engages human rights. I think we have to bear in mind that, you know, the, 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 some of the major um, legislation or, or, or documentation on, on human rights dates from a time well before this was, was really a, a particularly prevalent issue. But if, if you look to the, the underpinning principles um, of equality for all, um, clearly climate change is, is a huge threat to that, 
globally, given that there are many people in many parts of the world suffering disproportionately um, as, as a result of the climate crisis. Um, and so in, in, in that way, um, it engages the, the fundamental principles that lie behind um, human rights in, in, in um, the modern sort of concept of, of, of that. Um, and so it's, it's obviously a very, very important issue. I think another reason why um, climate justice is really important as a concept is that it engages a different group of people to perhaps the original core environmentalist movement. Um, So people who work on equality, um, which is arguably a completely different UN sustainable um, development goal, you're actually, what you're saying by labelling it as a a justice issue, um, this question of climate change, is that you're saying that there's actually two groups of people that need to be working on this. Um, They're trying to achieve um, different things, but they're going to get to the same end goal. So you also mentioned, Helen, um, about children knowing their rights and how that's changed. Um, Can you recall what the educational impact was or at what stage in your educational journey you did mean you got introduced to the ideas of climate change um, and whether you think um, there's been much change uh, in that from when you were in the education system? I I do think there's been a big shift. I think the, the main shift is that children now um, will probably be getting that information in places other than at school. So there's there's a lot more mainstream press on this issue. There, there are talks, there are TV programmes. Um, th- there's also a, a lot of um, uh, movements and events that you can join in, in order to learn more and to, to be active if, if you um, want to make a change. Uh, certainly when I was in school, um, I think I was probably more at the uh, under the influence of what was actually in the curriculum, and also perhaps more importantly how it was delivered. So I had a very inspirational geography teacher who I owe a lot to, um, and I think um, my decision to do geography at university was was certainly linked to her teaching, but specifically on this issue, um, she definitely had her eyes open and and led the class um to sort of uh, follow follow what she was saying and, and find out more there's a lot to be said for inspirational teachers <laughs> yes um i know sometimes when i'm thinking about learning a new area um, it can be you know quite overwhelming and i can only imagine it's kind of compounded when you're a child and you're learning so many different things i'm just curious because you guys are closer to um the under 25s age than i am um what do you guys think in your experiences but you know would be the most engaging way to to speak to children about climate change i know that you know, school, you know, does great things in the tr- curriculum, but, um, you know, sometimes people don't feel as engaged when they're sitting in a classroom. So do you guys have any ideas or have you guys had any personal experiences where you felt particularly moved by by something where you were where you were learning about climate change or actually in any area um, that kind of touched you as a child and, and really motivated you to, to change something? Well, I think we're very lucky, actually, in that we live in an age where um, it's 
there's a lot more in terms of documentaries and and publicity about climate change, and 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 that's that can be very very accessible. Um, I, I remember being, um, I, th- I think I was towards the end of my um, uh, sort of education before university when Blue Planet Two was made, and I remember the effect that that had um, in terms of of, of really um, moving. Um, people to into into action i remember my my friend and i there was a um a branch of a, a, co- a coffee chain in um in college and and my friend and i immediately stopped buying disposable cups uh, after after blue planet 2 such such was the effect that it had um, and sometimes it's 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 things like that it's actually seeing it with your own eyes albeit through a through a television screen um that can have that that profound effect um but also i think it's important that we don't undervalue the 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 benefits of of proper education on the issue and and i mean helen said earlier you know the facts really are at our fingertips now um and and i remember the the effect of um sitting in geography class and 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 learning about the plethora of evidence that now exists um to 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 support the um to 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 show that climate change is happening um, and crucially to show the effects that it's having um, on on people and um, animals and, and, and flora and fauna around the world. So I, I think, you know, it's absolutely very important that we, we bear in mind the effect of um, extracurricular, if I may put it like that, um, uh, sort of... Um, ways of way, ways of getting information but but also um school and, and and the curriculum remains very very important i think i think i completely agree with that point and actually on the extracurricular point um something that i found really uh, engaging at school was the opportunity to run a, a green society so we we had weekly assemblies where we announced what the activity was going to be that week and we held a club at lunchtime anyone was free to come and everyone was welcome we usually entice people with some sort of free cake um and um and and then had a really good discussion on a different topic every week and i think empowering children to actually run their own um issue on this and um and also, you know, have have a think about what they can do around the school. Um, the Green Club ran all kinds of uh, um, initiatives on recycling and um, saving electricity, water. Um, we even looked into getting solar panels. Uh, they, they were too expensive at the time, but I'm sure that now costs have come right down. So that would actually be something that, that would be quite exciting for a child to get involved with um, and, and, and actually initiate real concrete action. You've both mentioned how visible <clears throat> the issues are. Um, I'm interested in your view of the importance of laws, the rule of law, um, in how it frames this issue, how it might um, support change. Um, can you talk a little bit about your views in that respect? Uh, I think it's it's it's. It's very important that we that we have legislation on this issue where we can, um, and and that we we put into law um, provisions to try to um, stop climate change and to try to try, try to address the issues um, at hand. But um, the the perhaps one of the issues with with law is that it tends to be national, um, and that there isn't really any organisation, with the possible exception of the EU, that can put into place. Um, binding legislation that that exists sort of 
supranationally and, and, and can really be enforced. So I think law is, law is obviously very, very important. Um, and, and again, it's the fundamental principles of the rule of law, of, of equality. And, and, and so this is an issue that the law absolutely should be looking at. But equally, I, I think we shouldn't, we shouldn't um, underestimate the importance of um, political cooperation on, on the global stage without necessarily needing to, to go as, as far as, as legislation where it isn't the most effective route. I think from my um, professional standpoint, uh, what I do day in, day out at work, um, the the barrier that a lot of companies face when they're trying to set targets and um, and work out what's what's feasible, what's economic, um, is actually policy. And that's why that is so important, because um, often companies will have good intentions, but they have to um, they have to remain competitive. So number one duty is to look after the shareholder interests and if it means that they are going to be making a very expensive decision um, in order to do the right thing by the environment then um, it it starts to become a much harder decision Um, so if the government can help companies by um, by for example putting in um, a, a tax credit for uh, for, for environmentally sound um, initiatives, um, that that will really help progress what companies are able to do. Are you seeing um, <clears throat> a positive impact already of uh, corporate policies or actually legislation? Are you actually seeing that filter into? I, you've talked about how important you think it is to drive to drive the changes that corporates make in their processes and policies. Um, Are you actually seeing that filter through? Because obviously we've had the Paris Agreement and then we've had subsequent conversations definitely in the... um, from the UN principles of responsible investment and the UN principles on responsible banking, all of those apply in industries in which some of us are <laughs> working. Is that something that you're actually seeing having an impact then? You're, you're seeing the evidence of that. And what, what is that looking like if there's anything that you can think of that yeah, um, there are a couple of examples actually. So the first is um, after the Paris Agreement was announced, um, there was an initiative set up called Science Based Targets, and it really introduced the principle that um, companies could work out what their net contribution to the problem was and set targets according to their proportion of the problem. So it was a much more scientific approach, um, as is implied in the name, um, to setting a goal that would mean that um, companies were then in line with a two degree reduction in temperature. And what what it did was it set a signal in the market and, and, and also provided a framework that companies could leapfrog onto that was standardized and comparable across all industries. Um, And that's something uh, that's really important for investors as well. They need to understand how to be able to compare these things. The second thing is um, a more indirect impact. So um, when uh, Mark Carney makes a speech about the the tragedy of the horizon, um, that sets a signal in the market that investors, you know, that they they listen to what Mark Carney has to say. And and actually, um, if, if if he is saying that he, this is a concern um, from a national bank uh, perspective, then uh, investors will listen and, and, and follow suit. So there's kind of direct and indirect um, 
influences that policymakers can have. So it's tackling it from or getting the issue um, attacked from multiple sides driven by perhaps the laws and the policies and then the discussion at senior levels with yeah senior people. Exactly, yeah. Joseph, I remember when I was in law school, um, I printed a lot of paper and I don't remember my law school ever being concerned at all about our impact on the environment. I haven't been in law school in seven or eight years now, but I wonder, is that something that you guys are more conscious of? Um, I know we were constantly printing out, you know, our, our outlines for exams and just, you know, so stressed about where our schoolwork was that we didn't really think about the impact on the environment. Um, is that something that your school focuses on at all? Or is it something that you guys as students are just aware of and that you try to kind of consciously um, do something about? I think it's a combination between the two, really. I think um, certainly the the school um, is very good in terms of um, providing everything online. Um, and so um, often you don't need to print out anything in, in, in terms of um, you know module information or examination information or anything like that, because you know it's all um, accessible online. Um, and equally, I think as students being aware of the problem, we, we try our best to limit the amount that we um, that we that we print um, and the amount of paper that that we use, um, but uh, there's you know in, inevitably sometimes you you have to use use paper. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things I'm involved in is um, mooting, which is sort of a mock court, um, and sometimes in order to provide bundles for those, um, we we do need to print off quite a lot of paper. But I'm I'm on the society, and we're trying our best to limit the amount that we. Um, that we print in, in particular in in um, where possible getting com competitions to just use computers um, rather than rather than printing out electronic but, bundles yes of course the way forward <laughs> I think sometimes it's really difficult to make um, the right choice you've both mentioned in different times and whilst we've been talking about the um, the problem with having many, 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 many different choices. You talked about consistency in terms of um, approach and policy. And um, so in terms of things that people can do, sometimes they, it seems not only that there are so many, but actually the choices are really quite extreme. So, you know, it's not about eating less meat. It's about being vegan. Um, it's not about reducing the time, the number of times that you travel solo in a car. It's about walking or riding a bicycle everywhere all the time. Um, and that's quite intimidating. Can you just tell us perhaps a few of the, the smaller things, the more easy to achieve things that perhaps you're doing or you know other people are doing in order to make a difference for the issue at hand? Um, well, I, I think certainly in in terms of um, transport, tr trying not to not to use um, uh, trying to use public transport where you can, I, th I think is very important. Trying to walk um, where where you can, um, and, and again, I, I think I mentioned earlier, but you know, trying trying to cut down on on energy consumption where it where it really is. Um, avoidable. Um, I, I know people who, because of the issue, have have decided to to go vegan um, and and not eat meat at all. Um, or I, and I also know people who've who've um, cut down on the meat that they consume. And I think you know that that's that's 
certainly helpful. Um, and of course, it's becoming easier because um, there's you know more and more the, there are there are vegetarian options and and sort of the the imitation meat that you can get um, in in some restaurants as well. That's you know that that all all helps. Um, so yes, I think it's something that I think we're all very mindful of, um, and, and that you know we we need to do what we can. But as you say, it, it can it can sometimes seem a little bit daunting, a little bit drastic. Yeah. Um, just to add to that, I think one slightly overlooked uh, activist way of helping that you can um, make a huge impact doing is is to volunteer in a climate related charity. Uh, I, I personally work with the Interclimate Network, which inspires younger children to think about how they can contribute to the climate, um, to being part of the climate solution as part of their career. And what it does is it organises events for for children where they can um, enter a model United Nations uh, conference and debate as as representatives of different countries, and they um, they have uh, they they all have an environmental cause that they're trying to um, to push forward, and they experience firsthand the difficulties of negotiating um, and, and instead of the give and take that is involved in um, international uh, climate solutions um, and, and, and they, in the process they learn about what different countries are actually doing in this area and, and the scale of the problem. I think by, um, by, by helping to coordinate these kind of opportunities for children they, they have the, um, the, the they have much more of a chance of actually um, caring about this issue for a start um, and, and, and really having an opportunity to learn in more detail what goes on. And then secondly, they get the eye, once they, they do care, they, they can um, <clears throat> go into part two of the days that, that are run and, and that's learning about what different jobs are available in this space. So um, typically, six or seven people will come in from environmental organisations, tell the children what they do um, and hopefully inspire them to see what options are available to them. Um, because certainly, uh, as, as I mentioned earlier, um, when, when I was looking as someone coming out of school, it was very unclear to me what path I could take. Um, so I think it's nice to, for children to see all these options that are available. Um, and this is just one example. Um, this is my experience of, of a charity that I've worked with, um, but it's um, it's not a very big commitment of time. And I'm sure there are lots of others that you could um, work with to do really, um, really important work. Like for example, um, redistributing waste food. That's a really nice <laughs> way of, um, of also improving communities and, and doing some some social good, as well as avoiding food waste, which is a huge source of carbon emissions. Thank you both. Those are some really great suggestions and thoughts on how people can get involved. And I particularly like the volunteering one, and that sounds like an, a really impressive charity. Um, one of the things that I find um, when talking with people about um, climate action and climate change is that it's an extremely divisive topic. Um, what do you guys think is the best way to bring people of different backgrounds together to work towards a common goal of healing the planet? Well, I, I think it has to be an evidence-based approach, first of all. I, th I think it has to be based on, um, you know, 
showing the effects of of of, of climate change, um, and trying to to move past this this issue um, that you know Helen um, referenced earlier as to whether or not it's happening. I think as, as soon as we can we can reach a stage whereby people accept the the, the wealth of evidence um, that climate change is happening, that that's an important first step. But equally, I think it's important when when we're working with people that we are not we're not condescending we, we don't we don't tell people what they should do but rather it's it's a question of um empowering people to do what they can um to, to help um and 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 being aware of the fact that naturally some people because of their circumstances are going to be able to do more than others so it's it's about taking a collegiate approach i think um working with people to, to reduce climate change rather than rather than being self-righteous and telling people what, what they should do. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And it, it's a really good point because I think as soon as you start trying to um, lead the way and, and lecture everyone on, on the virtuous moves that you're making, taking the train rather than flying, um, which I think I'm probably a bit of a victim of doing. Um, and I, I don't enjoy that um when i when i actually am touting tooting my own horn about um taking the train um i I don't think it's a very attractive way to persuade people um so you've got to you've got to really think what would motivate people to do it intrinsically and that's why i think climate justice is actually a really um appropriate way to frame this um this movement because if you um if, if you think about it as something that is for the human race rather than i'm doing better than you um why aren't you pulling your weight it's, it's not a finger pointing exercise it's look you know how are we going to protect um humans who who are all suffering from from the same issues relating to this um this um gl- global uh, problem and and actually um i think when you make people care about it um for, f- from a from a humanity point of view that that's really powerful i think also if you if you change tack and maybe look at um how it affects the individual and how um you know air pollution for example comes with a lot of uh, emissions and um if you can relate it back to human health then i think you you also attract a, a new group of people to actually um taking action because they then see the problem from a different angle and are are motivated to change so i heard this statistic i'm not sure how recent it is but i found it quite surprising so apparently, currently, 80% of our energy comes from carbon sources. Do those figures or the scale of the energy challenge that we have in front of us, and I'm thinking there of the need to reduce our carbon dependency by 2030, do, does that daunt you? Do you think it daunts your peers? Do you think people should be daunted by it? Um, I, I'm not sure it, it... Obviously, it's it's a it's a daunting um, thought that that we need to massively reduce our um, reliance on carbon carbon sources very very quickly, um, and I think you know we've we've been doing something in it we've been doing it in a certain way for a number of decades, and we need to sort of unlearn the habits that we've that we've learned um, over that time. Um, but I, I I don't think 
being daunted is is necessarily the best way to go about it. I, th- I think it's I think it's a question of um, what doing what we can um, and 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 being honest about what we can do and and, and trying to do that. Um, but I, I don't I, I don't personally feel particularly daunted by the task. I think I think it's um, naturally it's 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 going to be difficult, but it, it's something that we you know it's something that we must do, um, and it, it's something that we you know we we need to do what we can. I think it is daunting, um, but the statistics are there to spur on action. So actually, if they are quite shocking, um, as as long as it creates the impetus for change, then I don't have any problem with it. I think, um, as I touched on earlier, when, uh, when, when people are faced with the facts and they don't have anything that they can do about it, then they feel powerless. And actually, it's it's so dispiriting. You you, you may end up doing nothing at all um, because it's 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 so difficult to think about that you shy away from it altogether just to protect yourself. So I think um, one one thing I would say if if someone uh, learned about that and they were just an individual and they weren't working in climate change, I'd say, well, look, don't worry. Why don't you just look at what energy options are available to you for your household and you can switch to renewable energy. There's a lot of suppliers available in in, in the UK market in particular. Um, we're, we're spoilt for choice. Um, so <clears throat> I think uh, uh, that, that would be one option. And then if you are lucky enough to work in the area like, like I do, um, well, then if I hear something like that, I just think, well, I've got to work harder. I've got to help companies accelerate the transition as fast as I can. Um, within the climate action environmental protection space, what are you guys curious about right now? Uh, I think um, it, 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 it's a question of, of what happens next, I, I suppose. We've, we've, over the last few years, I think, realized um, that with, with kind of in, increasing speed, um, what's happening and the importance of change. Um, so I, we, we've we've put all these um, uh, systems in 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 place in in terms of things like the Paris Agreement. Um, we we've made steps towards addressing the problem. Um, so I, I think really what I'm curious about um, and and what I hope will happen um, is is whether people can sustain that momentum um, because obviously that there are threats to it. Um, uh, and um, it's it's very very important that we, having identified the issue, keep working towards um, sort of ch- changing it um, as much as we can. So I, I suppose that would be what I'm curious about is is, is whether or not we're we're currently experiencing um, some sort of zenith that will that will pass, or whether this is the beginning of a, a really sustained movement that will achieve change. Yeah, um, I think the thing I'm most curious about is how technology will, um, how how it will develop and whether it will be enough. Uh, I think what we're probably looking at at this stage in order to keep within two degrees is um, a, a wide scale scaling up of carbon sequestration technologies. So carbon capture and storage um, actually just passive carbon in the air being removed um, and maybe some other carbon sink that we haven't even come up with yet. Um, I, I was reading 
drawdown, the most comprehensive plan ever proposed to um, reverse global warming recently. And it, it outlines all of the technologies that we actually currently have available and ranks how effective they will be in actually solving the problem. And it was a very positive book. And I think, you know, because it was very solution focused. And, and I think if we can, uh, if we can actually deliver what the book suggests is possible, then we actually might be okay. <laughs> um, uh, but, but then the question is, it, it, will this technology that is available scale and are there technologies that aren't yet available? Um, for example, to harder to abate industries such as transportation, aviation, shipping in particular, um, that, that we, we haven't tapped into yet. So thinking about the law and Justice Week, <clears throat> can I ask you each to finish the sentence? I used or will use the law to? Um, well, well, I think perhaps um, we will. Um, we, we will use the law um, to um, effect real permanent change um, in the climate area um, and secure a better future for us all. I agree. I like the use of we. We will uh, use the law to set a set an example to all other countries um, to, to show what's possible uh, in terms of making a real climate impact um, and make make some ambitious moves that may s seem like they're um, taking us backwards and and potentially making some businesses uh, uncompetitive in the short term, but. Um, in order that we safeguard the environment for the longer term. Amazing. Um, Joseph, um, Helen, thank you so much for coming. We really enjoyed having this conversation. Yes. Um, and we really appreciate your time. Um, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed the podcast. To learn more about the in-house pro bono group, please visit our website at info at inhouseprobono.uk. For more information on Justice Week 2020, please visit the Law Society's website. Thanks for listening. We hope you join us again next time. This podcast was recorded in February 2020. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the interviewees. They do not purport to reflect the opinions or views of the in-house pro bono group or its members. <laughs>